welcome to another episode of In Conversation With. I'm Thaisa Vila, the Editor-in-Chief of the Lancet Regional Health Americas, and today I have the pleasure to be joined by three of the lead authors of an upcoming series in our journal on health and climate change in South America, Dr. Stella Hartinger, Yasna Palmeiro, and Marisol Iglesias. Why don't we start by you presenting yourself to our audience? So hi, my name is Stella Hartinger. I'm a biologist by training. I have a master's in environmental health and a PhD in epidemiology. I'm an associate professor from La Universidad Peruana Cayetano Heredia in the School of Public Health and Administration. And I also co-lead the Center for Latin American Center of Excellence on Climate Change and Health from the same university. And I'm directing the Lancet Countdown Initiative for Climate Change and Health for South America. And right now it is going to change from South America to Latin America. So that's that's me. Hi, I'm Marisol Iglesias. I'm an environmental health professional. I have a master's degree in international health from Charité University in Berlin, Germany. And I also work as a climate change and health researcher. I collaborate for the Lancet Countdown South America, specifically looking at vulnerabilities and working on the group of adaptation working group too. My name is Yasna. I'm a doctoral researcher at the University College London and associate researcher at Center for Public Policy UC Chile, and also research fellow at the Lancet Countdown Latin America. The Health and Climate Change in South America series will come uh, live in mid-October, so keep an eye on our social media and our outlets so you can get the announcement for that. But for now, can you tell us what was the main purpose when you designed the series? What what you wish to achieve and what was the purpose of that? Yes, before diving deep on the objective of this series, I would like to share with you a little bit about the Lazard Countdown South America. Why do we exist and with the global collaboration of the Lancet Countdown, with the, which is uh, an international research and academic initiative, there was a need to generate more context-specific findings and be able to highlight the challenges that each region faces. And the South American chapter was inaugurated in the midst of the pandemic in May 2020. And our main objective was to produce a sister report from the global report that will highlight and showcase the regional challenges that South American countries face. And in order to do that, there was a need to understand what was the status of science production in the region to understand what data is needed, what data is generated, what existing research efforts exist, what is the status of the literature. There were so many questions around the production of this report that we consider very relevant and directly related with our research mandate, let's say, to produce this series of uh, literature reviews to better understand the scope of research of climate change and health, considering the five key domains that the Lancet Countdown works on, which are related with exposure, risks, uh, vulnerabilities and adaptation, mitigation, the economic side and the governance uh, and engagement part. 
So this is an effort we have been conducting over the past year and a half or almost two years, basically. And we established five working groups and with the assistance of many working group members, leads, researchers for belonging to different sciences and backgrounds, we were able to produce this series where we're looking at the evidences, the gaps that exist in the region and the needs to produce science and indicators so we can better understand what we're facing and what are the needs of evidence production that can assist decision makers. You know, we cannot uh, just take decisions on policy without understanding what the challenges are and what the science is saying. So we are here to fill that gap and provide those evidences. And this series is the very first effort to contribute on that. So I would say that is the main objective of the work to showcase what the regional landscape is looking like in terms of research on climate change and health under this interdisciplinary approach so that we can assist policymakers. I just wanted to add to what Mari was saying because all she said is absolutely true. But I just want to put into context that when we started the Lancet Canton South America, we were at the beginning of COVID. So the other reason why we actually did this is so that us as researchers, as a group that we were becoming the Lancet Canton South America, remember that we had to start from zero. So there was really the initiative from the Lancet Global didn't have any South American authors apart from the ones at Cayetano. There was nobody else. So we actually had to create a group of investigators from South America that were experts in the five domains that Marisol was doing. So the only way that we could actually do it is through frameworks. So we came with the expert, asked them, is the Lancet Countdown global framework the one that we should be using or should we be complementing it so that it actually fits into what we're seeing in South America? And that's how the idea for 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 the series for the for the for the scopings actually was born because we saw that it was okay to use the global framework as a starting point, but we need to add the complexities that we were also seeing in the region. No, the problem with marine productivity, what we were seeing on indigenous communities, what we were seeing on the Amazon as carbon sinks, land use change, tree cover loss. Um, this component of of mental health and adaptation stress. So we had to add all of these small portions that were not necessarily part of the global because they were not relevant as a global um, component, but that they were absolutely relevant for us in South America. That's that's amazing. So the series should should be seen as the the ground as where you start. So you you have this group of six uh, scoping reviews or health policy reviews where you look at everything that's been produced and know how to adapt the global framework to to advancing in, in the regional countdown. And the South American countdown, the one that came out in April, is the first one for the region, right? And it is entangled actions around mitigation and climate actions for from health. So we see that in the region, those are two areas that are not as connected as they should be. And mm-hmm. your work is very timely in that sense, because globally, we're finally starting to see governments uh, 
taking acknowledging the urgency of addressing climate change a little bit more serious as you've been uh, climbing for for so long and recently the recently elected Brazilian president has a big agenda around putting Brazil in the center of that that's what I can speak for but a lot of others in South America are finally acknowledging that we need to do more mitigation and and climate actions but do you see that health is being uh, put in the picture is it being discussed together or do you still see this not in the agenda as you wish can you talk a little bit more about this yes so i can talk a little bit from what we've seen the scoping that it's absolutely clear what's happening with mitigation first and foremost on the scoping reviews what we see is that there is limited evidence that exists between this intersect between health co-benefits of climate change and mitigation strategies. So right now, what what we what we see and from this is that we have Brazil because really it's Brazil, Chile, and Bolivia where most of the of the of the studies are coming from. I say Brazil, Chile, and Bolivia, but it's really Brazil. So eight of the nine studies that we actually saw are coming from Brazil. So it's it's basically Brazil that's actually having a look and it's looking at this, and it makes sense. Brazil is a country has that has been that has been done doing most of the research linked with uh, uh, climate change and impacts on health and so on. However, mitigation, yes, it's still left behind. It's something that we have not been focusing on and there's not much research on it. Mitigation usually is closer, closely linked to working within sectors. What we're seeing right now also on the NDPs, NCDs and NAPs is that health is not integrated within these sectors, despite that we see evidence that our various gov- governments are actually expanding their initiatives, expanding their commitments. As you mentioned, Brazil is actually a very good example. What we see from Brazil is that their last updated NDC uh, in 2022 is confirming that they want to reduce their green gas emissions by 37% in year 2025 and they want to do this uh 50% reduction by 2030. I don't know how realistic this is, but it's good that at least they have a roadmap and it's something that they want to achieve. However, we don't see in their NDCs or in their uh, in their NAPs or even in their HNAPs that health is actually within the sectors in which they're they're working with. And the problem is this is by seeing the sector so independent or so in silos, I think, Jason, as we are going to talk about this a little bit later, we won't advance the health agenda if we continue to look at it in this manner. To achieve health and climate change, we need the housing ministries. We need the energy sector. We need the education sector, apart from health, because there's no way to actually sustain or or create the policies needed to improve water, sanitation, uh, reduce vector-borne spreads if we don't have the other systems in place. And what we're seeing is that we don't have all the other uh, health components that should be already in place and actually to make this mitigation efforts esteem work accordingly. So... To answer your question, which is a very complicated question to actually answer, Thaisa, is yes, we see that there's a lot of commitment in word. We see that there's a little bit of commitment that it's coming into writing, but we see little or almost next to nothing in commitment related with finances and actually plans and how to actually interlink the sectors to make this happen. 
However, in the scoping review that that the David Rojas uh, led, because he was the lead author in in this one, he gives very nice examples of what would actually happen if we reduced este, um, the consumption of red meats. No, so so there is clear evidence of what happens when we reduce the consumption of red meats, which in itself reduces the expansion, the agricultural expanse that we see in Brazil. So I think that we still need to work through what do we as researchers mean when we say reduce red meat consumption. It doesn't really mean only this. It's not only the behavior change. It's also, okay, stop the agricultural expense. It's also don't deforestate before it. It's all, you see, so, so it's a lot of levels that need to start to happen in order so we can get to this small indicator where we, we're showing this improvement in health. But all the, the all the line, all the casual pathway, let's call it like, until we get here, is the mitigation strategies that we should be focusing on as countries. It goes together with my next thing that I have in mind that, uh, yes, it's in silos, as you said. And another thing that's very clear from both the series and it was already present in the countdown, it's just more clear now that we have the series, is another facet of the crisis is that it, the, fact that, the fact that it's heterogeneously affecting the region and it is greater, these impacts, they are greater in marginalized populations. So for South America, one of the most unequal regions in the world, as we know, the climate crisis acts as more of almost like a magnifier lens on inequalities. So tightening that to the mitigations that we're starting to plan for, what do you think we should be aiming for to do what Stella just said and putting into this equation and that it should do all of that and also consider the impact in specific populations that we know they're more affected. What, did, yeah. what they should be aiming for, that's my main question. Very true that in South America, we have very significant social inequities and, and, and consistently we see uh, all this year by year where all the most vulnerable uh, people and, and, and communities suffer most the consequences of climate change because we are not integrating all these different areas that Stella said, right? So we're not just looking at climate change uh, actions and then social inequities. We're not integrating uh, even within one sector, but we're also not integrating uh, between sectors, all, all, all these elements between sectors. So, and this is in between countries in South America, but also within countries, as I already said. And this highlights, of course, the issue of all differential resources and capacities in, re in the region. But again, these differential resources are present between countries and within countries. And that creates a kind of a vicious circle of inequities and um, different adaptation measures, etc. And Linked to what Stella said, and also your question, of course, I think we need more integral and systemic policies, more interlinked policies, which, of course, they could include health in all policies and all policies for health in order to get more healthy societies, help get more productive societies, but at the same time, we're going to be caring for them. So if we take the advantage of all this collaboration or, or new pathways of collaboration, 
and intersectoral work, for example, we probably can optimize resources and get several gains, policy gains as well. And and for example, just just to give a very small um, example here, when I'm referring to, sometimes we need to consider that all information that comes from a community healthcare, for example, we can combine all that with geographical and climatological data that can be used by urban planners uh, at the local governments, etc. Et so, and, and that we can propose uh, new programs that considers all this uh, complex um, integration of, of a complex problem, of course. And all these programs could be, let's say, targeted to uh, mitigating the impacts of heat and uh, at the same time, we're just caring for, for more, the most vulnerable people as well. So I have one final question as we went through our most of our discussion. But I have one thing, uh, and I'm going to ask you to reply to this same question independently. So each one of you tell me if you had the power to change one thing in the way your current leadership is addressing climate change crisis. What would this one thing be? I think that policymakers are a bit clueless about the link between health and climate change. This is a bit the experience we have had talking to policymakers. And policymakers need evidence, but also political will to integrate health as a core topic of climate action. And I would say one thing is to use an approach of health in all policies when it comes to climate change and particularly stop positioning or conceiving climate change as a polar bear issue. This is population's health that it's at stake and bringing that to light and be conscious about what it's at stake is something that it's required on our leadership when addressing climate, climate change crisis. That this is a very difficult question. So, so I think that I know that policy is very complex. Science is very complex, and linking these two is even more complex. Uh, but I would say, considering all this complexity, that I would say that we need more collaboration and more intersectoral work. As Marisol and and Stella actually and and you Tysa said, we need to work together. Uh, because this is a very complex problem and and it and it seems that nowadays ministries of the environment let's say and the health and even other uh, ministries are, are working in silos there is very limited communication between them this situation could be okay if problems were not very complex however climate change is complex health is complex and climate climate change and health is is, is even more complex as i already said so Working in silos should change in order to tackle all these very complex problems, such as what we're seeing right now. Okay, since Yasna and Marisol already talked about this intersectoral collaboration and health center climate policies, I'm going to focus on public awareness and education. I think that we really need to invest a little bit more on public awareness on inform the people about the health risks associated with climate change. Um, and I think this is something that it's not only that has to be focused by our policymakers, our policymakers have to do this, but it also should be done at educational programs in the undergrads at the universities. This is something that we should really push towards uh, building. It's something that at least in Peru, we 
we still don't have. It's not part of the university curriculum to work or to to have courses on climate change and health. We don't have postgraduate courses on this as well. And the general knowledge on the topic, as Marisol said, it's something that it's not being linked to health. And I think that the society needs to actually make this push since they are the ones that need to push the policymakers in turn to tackle this agenda. So it's something it's something that has to come from all parts of society. It has to come from academic, us, that we're providing the knowledge. It has to come from the civil society so they can actually push their own policymakers. And in the end, the policymakers actually need to listen and make the changes that society needs. So I do think I'll go with public awareness and education, but it's not the only things that we still need to do. There's a lot of other stuff like data and research and international collaboration that we actually should also have our, 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 our how do you say it, like in the lookout or something. Thank you so much. It, it is a lot. And I'm going to add to what you said that we have an extra problem when we go to education and it is to also fight fake news and and the denial of climate change that we're still we still have it growing and it's also our duty to fight this to educate people in what it really is and the importance of tackling it yeah well we could record a whole new podcast just about that if if you think about so absolutely and what you guys do is amazing because i i do think that these post podcasts help get the word out absolutely yeah the more we can do thank you so much stella yasna and marisol for joining me today and this is a very important conversation and it's great work and if you're listening to this and you're interested and you want to hear more and you want to read about it uh, go check the six papers the series that will come out and also the curated content related to the topic on the series hub page thank you